It was a pretty typical spring morning at the Man or spring evening at the Mannings, and we had decided that we were going to be for the first time we were going to barbecue, and uh, we would barbecue out on the deck, and and then we would sit out in our on our deck furniture. We have one of those like thirty nine ninety nine Costco special little. I mean four a table for four. That's it. Uh, it came with four of the iron chairs as well. And so, but there's five of us in our family, uh, if you didn't know that. And so, uh, what happens normally when we share in a meal together, especially when it's barbecuing, is that I've barbecued them everything we need and we're getting everything ready to go. And I'm pretty much the last one to the table almost every time. Some of the times everybody's already eaten before I've sat down to. Uh, to, to eat myself, and so the, the kids have taken all four of the nice, iron, sturdy chairs, and uh, Heather had bought this ladybug decorative uh, garden furniture. You know, this, this stuff you buy, you put out in your yard, uh, and I don't think it's meant to sit on, uh, and so that was the only chair that was left. I set my food down, and and, and I, I don't know if it was a conspiracy theory and they had planned for this to happen, but uh, I go to sit down and I believed that that chair would hold me up. I'm a, you know, a small guy and uh, he's laughing at that, no. So I go to sit down in this faded yellow ladybug chair and uh, instantly, I believe it rolled my way instantly, it just and I am on the ground uh, in the middle of two legs that are out looking up at my kids and everybody's laughing. They just, they just think it's the funniest thing in the world. And, um, and so I'm laying there on the ground and they're laughing at me. All because I believe that this chair would hold uh, my weight and laying in this splintered mess of what would be a chair. Now, when I got a folding chair and I ended up dinner, it was fine, and, uh, and I screwed the chair together. So if you ever come to my house uh, for a barbecue and we sit outside on the back deck uh, and I pull that chair over for you, you know what I'm doing. Uh, it's an April Fool's joke. It's a, it's, it's, it's a trick we're going to play on you uh, when you come over. No. So, but but that's, that's what I wanted to look at today is for us the idea of believing. The idea of believing in something. Because in that instant, I believe that that chair would hold my weight. I believe that in sitting in that, I could enjoy my meal, and that would hold me up, and, uh, and I wouldn't have a problem. And so, uh, to build on what we've uh, been going through, if you haven't been here the last few weeks, we've been through this series called Raise the Life, and we had an amazing Easter, uh, our biggest service we've ever had uh, as a church, which was just great to worship together with community members and be here um, and, and so to build on that, today I want to just talk about belief. And I want to pose a question for you to think about as we go through uh, this message this morning. And that question is, what do you believe to be true about who Jesus is in your life? What do you believe to be true about who Jesus is in your life? Because here's the deal, we all believe uh, something. Uh, just like I believe that chair would hold me up, there's many things in our life that I think we choose to believe or not believe. And the fact that we're all here this morning, gathered at a uh, Christ-centered, Bible-believing church, we all have some sort of belief 
about who God is and who Jesus is in your life. And uh, if you haven't caught the ads for it, Morgan Freeman's uh, uh, narrating a special that starts tonight called Who is God? Now, I don't think he's going to be talking specifically about our God, the God that we believe in. But it's, it, he's looking at all the different beliefs of people that people have about who God is. And it's all over. There's, there's commercials and there's ads for it all over the place. And so that's a question I think many people, Christian, non-Christian, just in general, ask themselves. Who is God? And so for you this morning, what is true about God? What is true about Jesus in your life? And to have a belief about that is called, uh, it's called this. It's called doctrine. All right? So now that is probably a scary word for some of you. It scares me a little bit, especially I capsed it and uh, put it in bold for you just to try to instill some of that fear. But that's what it is. It's doctrine. And so that's kind of a Christian word. And even when you look at it online, when you Google it or Wikipedia, it it actually says it connects it to uh, a belief about God. And so uh, we all believe something about God. Now, uh, I'm, uh, this message is actually adapted from uh, a conversation I had with uh, a friend of mine, uh, Pastor Rob. He pastors down at CTK downtown, one of our other campus churches. And he preached a message a, a couple months, or about a month and a half ago, um, on some of the stuff that we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, and what he's done over, he's doing a three-month series centered on that word, doctrine. It's aptly titled, that's what he's talking about for three months. Now, I'm a little ADD or whatever. I can't do a series for more than about five, six weeks in a row. Um, But he's doing this whole series on doctrine. And so, uh, and the two of us got together and talked a few weeks ago about about the opening up of that uh, series. And talking about beliefs specifically and what it is that we believe um, as as Christians. And so... uh, I, I wanted to build on what we had for East, from Easter and this idea of being raised to life, putting our faith in somebody who can raise us out of whatever it is that we have. But first, foundationally, we need to get back to what we believe in. So we all have doctrine. Doctrine is a set of principles of beliefs that a person builds on their life. And if that's the definition of doctrine, we all have a doctrine. Even the idea of choosing not to have a doctrine in and its of its sense is having a doctrine, right? But here's the common idea, and I think thread that runs through for the majority of people, uh, whether Christian, non-Christian, religious or irreligious, like whatever it is that you believe uh, and having a doctrine, I would say that there's a lot of people that don't know what they believe. And including Christians, I think that that's a big deal for even us Bible-believing. We've got the Bible in front of us that spells it up, but do we really believe what it is that we say, or do we really know what it is that we say we believe? And I think that's a common thread uh, throughout the church. And so we need to get back to look at uh, what it is that we believe and why we believe it. All right? So here's the deal. Um, if we don't know that, if we don't know why we believe what we believe, this is what happens. What happens is, is when push comes to shove, when things get uh, tough, 
when, uh, and, and I don't know, raise your hand if in the last five years you've faced anything tough in your life, in the last five years. The majority. There's only a couple people who didn't raise, no. I think we've all faced something that is ultimately pretty tough. And when push comes to shove and, and things get tough, things get a little messy, things get hard, we call into question what we believe because we don't ultimately know it. We don't ultimately know it to be true in our lives. And we begin to doubt. And in a sense, even often sometimes, we jump ship, right? And we struggle with that. Now, uh, I'm going to get up on a soapbox for a second, and I want to I say something that is a little bit pertains and a little bit doesn't, but here's the deal. Um, and I've seen this more than I've seen the latter, that uh, when life gets messy and things get tough, maybe your life blows up, people, instead of running to the church, they run away from the church. And I'm talking about us. I'm talking about those of us that are in the room, those of us that are, say we believe in Jesus. When it comes down to it and things get a little messy, what I've seen more than not is that people turn and run from the church. They want to hide and they want to not allow people to see what's going on. And, and I would love to say that, because I want to believe it, that the group of people who are in this room who believe in Jesus are the people that should care for you the most and that they should um, allow you to be open and honest with them. And so, um, and I've seen that modeled as well. Um, but I, I believe the church to be, and not, I'm talk, not talking CTK Sun Valley in general, but I'm talking about just people who believe in Jesus. And it's a part of our mission statement, accepting and loving and, and welcoming in. Because if you saw my Facebook post this week, what we're doing as a church is we're just gathering a bunch of messy people. People who uh, are messy but are seeking God in their lives. Uh, and I'd much rather have that than people who, who we think were the enforcers. And when somebody comes with that mess in their lives, we say, well, shame on you. You just need to, get, you need to do this and you need to do that. No, it's, it's the opposite. You need to run to the church and to God's people because ultimately they're the people that should love you the most. All right, I'm going to jump off that soapbox now. We're going to get back to it. So uh, in the book of Timothy, and it relates a little bit, in the, book, uh, in the books of Timothy, Paul writes to a couple young pastors. All right, he writes to a couple young pastors uh, in these two books, and it's all throughout those two books. He challenges them, uh, and, and he challenges them to make sure that they teach sound doctrine. So that's sound belief. He wants them to be teaching what people should believe to be true about uh, Jesus. And, and yeah, th those books are to uh, a couple young pastors, uh, Timothy and Titus specifically. Uh, in the text that we're going to look at from these books to start with, uh, 2 Timothy 4, I think there's something in there that uh, that although written to a couple pastors who are leading the church, I think can apply to all of us this morning. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 4. As always, there's Bibles in the back. If you need Bibles, uh, the important verses that we reference are going to be on the screen. Uh, here it is. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead? 
and in the view of his uh, appearing in his kingdom. And so Paul is saying at the beginning, if what I am teaching is true, that Christ uh, is the Messiah, uh, is the son of the living God, uh, if that is true, and he at this point was, he died and was buried and was raised to life. So if that, all that is true, Paul says, I give you, the gospel is true, I give you this charge. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season to correct, rebuke, and encourage. And I think that this is oftentimes where we feel empowered. We feel that, um, that we're empowered to tell people about uh, what they're doing wrong or what, you know, what they need to do. And that's not what's saying here. What's centered on this is doctrine. It says, uh, with great patience and careful instructions. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Not, they won't put up with believing rightly in their lives. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers who say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. All right, and so real quickly, anything and everything that I say from the front, you guys need to take with you and and weigh it up next to Scripture. All right? Uh, Anything I say, don't just take it for truth. Uh, Oftentimes, Heather says, man, when you talk, I mean, you got like a preacher's voice, and when you talk, I just believe it to be true. And she just, and I can do that with my kids as well. But, so, test it. Look at scriptures and see what it says. And, 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 and I don't, I'd love to hear from you. If you feel like at any point I'm saying stuff that I just want you guys to like me, and I want you guys to think I'm a cool guy, and I'm saying stuff that you should hear. I'm hoping when you leave on Sunday mornings, you feel challenged. Maybe even sometimes a little irritated with what I had to say. That's my hope. So, but here, uh, Paul uh, in nowhere is saying to attack the action of doing wrong. To go after the action of what people were doing wrong. We need to go after the belief, the the sound doctrine. Go after the belief that they have. Um, And and this is where it really hit home for me. Uh, To suit their own desires, uh, they looked towards what they wanted to hear. And I think ultimately in our lives, that is, or at least for me, maybe you can relate, uh, is I go after and surround myself with people who are saying what I want to hear. I want to hear good stuff, and I want to hear the, the right things, in, uh, and, it, and it encourages me. And so ultimately I seek after that. I think naturally we do that in our lives. Um, and, and I consider myself a, a very teachable person. Um, I, I, think it, I think ultimately it's a gift that God give me, gave me, uh, and it started with him putting people in my life where I saw that modeled really well. Teachable people, people who are even well along in their years, set in their ways, were also very teachable that I've seen witnessed in my life. And so uh, ultimately I think God's blessed me with, with that characteristic, and I actually enjoy it, uh, and I welcome it. And so, team, that was, I think, ultimately, I want to be a better person. And I think probably all of us in the room uh, would agree with that. I think we all have the opportunity to be a better person. And so, even with that, though, even uh, with all that, I desire to hear and to have reinforced what I want. What I want in my life and what I want people to say. I seek after that. 
ideas like, well, when it comes to what I believe or what I want to believe or, or things that are going on in my life, uh, I, I like to hear the ideas, well, times have changed. It, it doesn't apply to us. It, it, that actually was for them back then, and, and now it doesn't apply to us uh, where we are at. Or comparatively, I'm pretty good. You know, I mean, compared to people outside the doors or whatever, whatever, I mean, there's plenty of comparison going on. Compared to that, I'm, I'm a pretty upstanding guy. Or uh, the idea of uh, that doesn't, uh, things are different now. Uh, that was, wasn't meant for us, like I said, and it doesn't specifically apply to what it is that I'm talking about or the, what it is that I'm doing in my life. And, and ultimately, that comes down to believing differently about God and about what Christ has done and did. Uh, and in a sense, that gives us bad doctrine, right? Uh, we choose to, be, to believe differently about who God is, bad doctrine, to produce the feeling we desire in our own lives. And, and, and here's the deal with bad doctrine. Here's the deal with bad belief and bad doctrine in our lives. Uh, it will always fall apart. Much like the chair did for me when I sat down and it believing something about it, it will always fall apart. And so if in your life you have bad doctrine, that bad doctrine ultimately will, uh, will also cause your life to fall apart found on false belief causes our life to then fall apart right in line uh, with it. And so let me tell you, because I feel like I qualify into that a lot, so let me uh, tell you what that looks like as, so if you would qualify with me in that. If you, uh, if you are to believe that God is the provider that he says he is in Scripture, it tells us he's the provider and will give us everything that we need. If you believe that to be true, good doctrine, no matter what, whether you have a lot or a little, your view, uh, your doctrine changes. And uh, whatever you have, whether you have a lot or a little, your belief in what you have doesn't change. You believe that you have enough and that God actually will provide. And he will. Now, if you believe that God is the creator that he says, and that it's in scripture that he says that he is, that's good doctrine, then uh, that changes the way you view his creation. And now I say that rocks, mountains, rivers, oceans, the amazing scenery we have here, as well as whether you're Democrat or Republican or uh, uh, irresponsible parent or a, uh, an inconsiderate acquaintance. All God's creation. And if you believe God to be the creator that he is, your view of those people in your life shouldn't change. God created them. God loves them. God cares for them just as he does us. Now, uh, and, and this is a big one for me, uh, because I believe that the way I live my life, I bank on this belief in who God is at his core. And that is the belief in God's grace and his forgiveness in my life. And I think because I rely on that so much in my life, I think my life shows that I believe in it a lot. 
based on the way that I live. Are you following me? That was supposed to be a little bit funny. Uh, I bank on God's grace and forgiveness in my life too much. Thus, when you look at my life, you should see that God's grace and forgiveness is mighty big. All right? Okay. So, if we believe rightly, and that's the key. It's not necessarily the action of, uh, that we're attacking. It's the belief in who God is in all the areas of our life. Now, take it a step further. If we oppose, we oppose God by simply doing what we want, whether it's right or wrong. We oppose God by simply doing what we want, whether it's right or wrong in our lives. Uh, and, 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 and for that to, to, to kind of take root, uh, I can save uh, and give all the money and resources that I want, but believing God's instructions and direction, that's the sound doctrine. And without that, uh, I have bad doctrine. If I'm just doing it to be uh, a philanthropist and giving and giving and giving and giving, it's not the action of that, but it's the belief in why we do it and what God's instructed us to do. And I can treat people with the utmost respect and kindness, but it is when at the core, I believe that God is the creator of all those people that I am kind to and considerate with, uh, that I have good doctrine. See, God created the heavens and the earth. That's right doctrine. God created each one of us. That's good doctrine. And truly understanding and believing that solidifies that and causes me not to sway. That when push comes to shove or when that is called into question or when it's just challenging, if I really truly believe that to be true about who God is and who God says I am, it's a lot harder to sway from that. It's a lot harder to go uh, one way or the other. So, um, and, and, to believe, and what we believe about Jesus actually impacts and affects our entire life. Even the little parts in what he wants for us. Uh, and, and Jesus in the Bible actually has a conversation with the people I introduced, with the disciples. I introduced it with the kids this morning. You've probably heard it before. Uh, and Jesus, and he's talking to his disciples. But to set the stage, just before this interaction that he has with the disciples with, and with uh, Peter, uh, Jesus has uh, had an interaction with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Uh, and these are the people of God who were the doers. They were all about doing. I mean, they followed the law to a T, but their belief in God was zero. Their belief in Christ, actually. Their belief in Jesus saying who he was, was not at all. And actually, just before this interaction, um, they say to Jesus, they say, uh, you know, we're going to need a sign. You're going to have to show us in order for us to believe who you are. And as is normal the case with Jesus, he is rarely pleased with their bantering and, and doesn't address that with them specifically. But then he gets in the boat with the disciples and they head across uh, on the lake and, and Jesus talks about this yeast and there's the combination of yeast and bread and what that means. But he relates that to the, uh, to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the disciples were like, oh, well, is Jesus pointing out that we forgot the bread? That, you know, no, that wasn't the case. Jesus was talking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees in uh, in their belief in the doing and actions and not having any belief in who he was. And Jesus shared with them and reminded them of the examples he had that he fed the 5,000 and the 4,000 with 
bread and with fish and, and so that they would believe. And so following this conversation with the disciples, Jesus says this in Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, do, uh, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. So he asked that question, and it's the question that I asked of myself and I asked for you today. Who do you say I am, Jesus says. Who do you say Jesus is? Now, Peter answers correctly. He says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. But does Peter believe rightly? Does he truly believe that to be true? Do you truly believe that to be true this morning? If Jesus was to ask you, who do you say that I am, would your answer be, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. You see, what you believe about God is what you make him to be. What you believe about God is what you make him to be. To you personally, God and Jesus is only as big as you allow them to be. That uh, they only have as much impact as you believe and give them in your life. Meaning uh, the role as the creator, as the provider, as the sustainer, as the savior, as ultimate authority in your life. That only goes as far as you believe and you allow it to play out in your life. That is only how big God is to you. God in general is bigger and mightier and uh, much more in control than any of us in this room give him. But... As it, when it comes and it pertains to you personally, God and Jesus are only as big as you allow them to be in uh, your life. Now, in this moment with the disciples, with everything that's going on and everything that's going to happen, and with what Jesus is leading them into and, and, and telling them uh, what's going to happen and where they're going, he asks that question, who do you say he is? Peter's response, Messiah, Savior of the world, Son of the living God. He replies this. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Simon Bar-Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father who is in heaven. And so Jesus is saying to Simon at the time uh, that uh, you have not come to this understanding on your own. That it's not of human uh, human making. You didn't conjure this up on your own, under your own strength, that this is divinely given to you, this understanding of who God is. The Messiah, the Son of the living God. And God uh, is the overall belief, and, and this is what Peter was saying in, in what he reacts to, is the overall belief that Jesus was the one at that this time that was sent to save his people. That Peter rightly believed that to be true. And then he replies with this. And I tell you that you are Peter. Now, 
this little, gets a little confusing for me because I want to stop real quick. Because first he's Simon, uh, who uh, we know as we know as Peter, uh, and he was also known as Cephas. We talked about that last week at Easter. Um, because he appeared to him, and in the scriptures it referenced him. So uh, in, this, in one second, he's Simon Bar-Jonah, which is, just means Simon, son of Jonah. Uh, that's how the names worked uh, back then. And then uh, Jesus is calling him Peter. And it changes. His name changes three times here uh, in, in scripture. And uh, I want you to understand, because Peter would, he would go on to be known as Peter uh, from then on. Peter, the pillar of faith and, uh, and belief and, and, and having huge impact in uh, the early church. But Jesus is saying here, Simon, Simon, you have confessed rightly about who I am. And because of that, you are no longer Simon. You are more than that. You are Peter. See, when we believe rightly about God in our lives... Uh, he tells us who we are in him. When we have right belief about who God is in our lives, he then tells us who we are and who we are created to be. We're made new in our new belief. And this is a belief that's all throughout Scripture uh, that tells us that we're born again or we're a new creation, all those things. And that's what uh, Jesus is telling Peter right here. Your belief in God is linked to your understanding of who you are. Your belief in God is linked to an understanding of who you are. When we believe rightly about God, we become new. And now that applies uh, to the overall sense that, that, that Peter was referring to and saying that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Uh, but it's also for those of us that have made that initial decision to follow Christ. But that uh, also we realize that eventually we'll have to continue to make that choice. And in areas of life, we'll continue to have to choose to believe rightly about God. And in that area of belief, then God will say, well, this is what I'm going to do with it. This is what I have planned for you. And we trust that. And we see even in Peter's life that... He would go on to deny Jesus. But then, then he would make another decision to believe rightly about who he was and the truth about what he said about him specifically and then say, now, now move forward. This is what I have for you in your life. See, upon our confession and the confession of Peter, he says, Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replies with this in verse 18. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So he's saying to Peter, and the name actually means rock. Peter, Cephas means rock. Now, there's different beliefs about what this actually means. Uh, Peter's name actually does mean rock, and, uh, and there's some belief about that in the Catholic Church, that Jesus is actually saying that, I'm going to build my church on Peter, starting here. Now, I don't necessarily believe that to be true. 
I think Jesus is speaking into Peter's life specifically right here. Uh, there's another theory that Jesus was actually referencing a physical rock. Uh, they're close to Caesarea Philippi where there was some idol worship going on. And, 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 and Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my church. Starting here, I will build my church. Now, uh, there's a little bit more uh, validity in that. And I think that, uh, you know, I think still that's a little bit of a stretch. But the theory that I think, that in, in my readings and in studying this week, is the third theory. And if we notice that Jesus made his statement about the church directly after what, Pe- what Peter did what? He says, he confessed that Jesus was the Christ, the son of the living God. So in other words, Jesus is saying, upon your confession, upon who you say that I am, upon that solid rock of your confession, your right confession of who I am, I will build my church. That he's saying, yes, Peter, you believe rightly. You have said, I am the Messiah, the son of the living God. And on that confession, my church will be built. And it's true today. The church is moving again. The church is growing again. I love that we're growing as a church. And it's on that confession that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior. The son of the living God. And that is what the church will be built upon. Today even. So putting their lives in in personal, putting our lives in our personal relationship with Jesus. and, And following after him. That is what the church will be built on. That right thinking, sound doctrine and right belief about who God is and what Jesus came to do. Believing that Jesus was sent to the earth to die and to be raised again, to save us all, Savior of the world, and he did that. And that's what we celebrated last week, but we celebrate all the time as a church. He did that so, and what's so incredibly great about our God is that uh, through Christ we're made in that right relationship with God. And that through him, uh, ultimately, we get to see just how much he cares for us. Yeah, it's shown in the way that he sent Jesus to the earth to die for us. But it's also shown in the way that he interacts and infiltrates and wants to be a part of our lives. And, and, And ultimately, when we push into that and we believe rightly in certain areas of our lives, uh, we get to see how and why he created us, what he created us to be. So, uh, in, and oftentimes we want to believe in context and comparatively, uh, we compare this to the best, your best friend, your best friend in your life. And they want to speak truth into your life. How much of that do you believe? 40, 40, 60, maybe 40%. You're like, well, I'll listen to a little bit of it. 60% of you write it off, right? Well, I'm not going to change anything. I mean, Really, what, 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 what matters about what they say? So now, if you're married, you take your husband and your wife. Probably your ultimate, hopefully the closest best friend that you have, the person that you would accept the most as far as somebody to speak into your life. How much of that do you take in? 100%? Everything my wife says, I'm going to apply it to my life. Anybody, raise your hand if you do that. 
Husbands, raise your hand because you're going to get... No, Okay, no, but that's true. So in our lives, we have nothing to compare it to. Because God is the ultimate creator. And the relationship that he desires for us far outweighs anything we can imagine. But yet, in our lives, we have nothing to compare it to. So we struggle with the ability to hear from God and then rightly believe in our lives. In, in a lot of different areas in our lives. I mean, maybe you have a list of things. Maybe you have just a few things that God's saying, man, what do you believe about me in that? Do you believe it to be true that I am the ultimate authority in that? And that I ultimately do want to work this out for your good? We don't have a relationship to compare that to, and I think that that is where our struggle is. Jesus says to Peter, who am I? Peter says, you are the son of God. Right. Now, let me tell you that you are Peter. And this is who I created you to be. This is what I'm going to do through your belief. Every little nook and cranny of your life, every little thing, every little struggle, whatever it is, God's saying, who do you believe me to be? Who do you believe me to be? And based on your answer, he either says, oh, we got to work on this. Or he says, now right, right, now. I'm going to show you what we're going to do with that. I'm going to show you who I created you to be. Let's pray.